Cool. Um, hello, everyone. Hello. It is, it is us. It hello. Is Andre and Lisa and Ian. Happy whatever day you're listening to this on. And if you didn't go to San Diego Comic-Con 2018, we're going to talk about a little bit of what went down there. Not all of it. You know. You Just know the what, highlights. Yeah. Just some highlights. To, of Our highlights, actually. So, like, if you're a big Mayans fan, you're shit out of luck. <laughs> you <know? laughs> if you're, like, here for Kurt Sutter's Mayans, probably not going to be the uh, San Diego Comic-Con for you. Just saying. <laughs> not that I hate on the Mayans or any of that stuff. I just never got into Sons of Anarchy, so... I don't know. I may give the Mayans a shot. I don't. I don't know. I don't think. I know for myself, I couldn't make it through the um, the pilot of Sons of Anarchy. Well, I couldn't even make it through the opening credits. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kind of felt the same way. Love me some Charlie Hunnam. Love him, but no, yeah. And I love motorcycles, and I have a soft spot for gangs. So I don't know why it didn't work out. <laughs> That's a weird sentiment. <laughs> I, I do love me some gangs, you know. Listen, somebody had to raise some children in the street, you know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, very, I'm not saying I'm necessarily pro-gang, but I understand them. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about... What do you want to talk about first? What was the, the thing that's at the top of your list? Do you want to talk about Walking Dead so we can get that out of the way? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Walking Only- Dead has become a chore. <laughs> It's just like a, a reoccurring thing we do now on the podcast, I guess. <laughs> we just always bring it up somehow. It always comes up. I, I think even before <laughs> you started talking with us uh, and partnering up with us, I was like, it, it would just come up randomly in like every single fucking conversation we would have. <laughs> every podcast would have like a mention of Walking Dead. Oh, you know what? And I kind of calmed down once I saw the trailer. What was your reaction to the trailer? I Well, I definitely had to watch it a bunch of times because it was a... F- five and a half minute trailer which is twice the amount you usually get so and there was so much happening in that trailer but it honestly it's gotten me pretty excited for the season now because it definitely you could like sort of even tell by the by the clips in the trailer that this the show has sort of taken on i think a more I guess mature and clarified look rather than like the foggy, grassy Alabama look, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the trailer promises some like very like Civil War type conflict, which I think is pretty awesome and a nice change of pace. Like we're not fighting Negan anymore; we're fighting amongst ourselves. Like I think that's pretty, and we've we've done it that a couple of times. But I think on this grand of scale, you know, and the show's like really trying to get back to. You know, how do we go on as a society? How should civilization go on? Should we go back to the way things were? Should we try to make it better? Um, it just looks really, really interesting. Michonne's talking. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Michonne's yeah. talking. Carol's talking. People yes. are talking. People have haircuts, except for Daryl and Michonne. People went to supercuts. You know? Yeah, Michonne's still got to wear that horrible, <laughs> shitty, dreadlock wig. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you see it, Ian? Yeah, I did. And what do you think? Um, I, I because because of because I'm still hurt. Yeah, and I I'm, I'm not giving it the the Walking Dead was a bad boyfriend to you. It, it was, and I'm just like <laughs> I'm not. You know, I'll, I'll sit and watch it. I'm not excited. Put it this way, I'm not excited to watch it. But if we watch it, I will watch it. You're just gonna you're gonna watch with your arms folded. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. 
I mean, we and got I'm, hurt. And I'm we not, hurt. I'm not a big fan of like, you know, and you know this about swapping out your cast and creating a whole new story. It's just not, you know. Yeah. One of the reasons that Ian can't watch Terrace House is he feels betrayed. Like he starts out with the original six members of the house and then they leave for whatever reasons happen. You know, on that show, it's because somebody ate somebody's mystery meat or somebody didn't make sushi right. And then they all politely bow out because it's such a Japanese reality show. And then he's like, I don't, I'm not into it now. They've, they're, they're all gone. Why am I watching this? Yeah. I was invested in those six people. And now wh- yeah. who's this guy? I don't, what the fuck this wasn't, guy? <laughs> wasn't that the reason Glee didn't work out too well after everyone left too? Yeah. Same thing. You know, you kind of, you're, the feeling is gone. Although, I mean, I just, I have a lot of faith in Angela Kang. Uh, she was very yeah. present at San Diego Comic-Con. I'm w- I'm right there with you. I'm I'm willing to go back and give it a second chance. Um, I now that looking at what they did and that you're you're right that super long trailer for season nine. I feel like mm-hmm. what they did for the last three seasons <coughs> is they made they took what should have been one season and they stretched it out over three. Yes, uh, just to get mileage out of the franchise, and I think that hurt them. It certainly yep. didn't take them off the air. But and it turned off a lot of people. It certainly fucking did. It it, it made a lot of people like you. It, it created you. Like, yeah. fuck off. You know? And people who just are not coming back. Um, and they t- if they had just condensed that into one season, which it looks like, you know, nine is going to hit the ground running. It's going to get a bunch of stuff done. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to predict that uh, the casting of Samantha Morton as Alpha, the head of the Whispers, she's going to probably be the one who kills Rick. In the comic books... When Alpha shows up, because their whole uh, raison d'etre, if you will, is that they walk amongst the dead. They don't believe in rebuilding the New World Order at all. They believe in slipping on the skin of the dead and walking with the dead. And this is what nature has decided, and this is the new way we should live. So she Which can- is in, in complete contrast to what the group is trying to do. Exactly. So that's interesting. Exactly. So and I think when these two worlds collide, she's an even more formidable threat than uh, Negan, who was trying to do it his way. Her way mm-hmm. is is even deadlier, and she ends up in the comics murdering uh, Ezekiel, uh, a lot of faves. So I think they're going to give this death. Uh, I think well, we might even see the end of Ezekiel. We're going to see the end of Andy Lincoln's character because he wants out. And I think he's insinuating heavily that he just got so fucking sick of going back and forth between England and here. That's what he's saying on the surface of it. But that's a clean, that's yeah. a clean way of you know, yeah. not ruffling any feathers. I don't think it's Scott Gimple's a motherfucker. I'm sick of this Georgia heat. Y'all eat a dig. <laughs> Your story sucks. You did Chandler wrong. Yeah. 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 Whatever, for whatever reason. I mean, or maybe he just got sick of playing a guy who makes the worst decisions in television history. You know, if that was me and I got the script, I'm like, oh, great. I'm Andy Lincoln. Oh, great. Wonderful. I'm just making more retarded, stupid, dumb decisions now to this time. You know, I mean, like, come on. Yeah. I would yeah. be one. Well, at least we know, like, it's confirmed that he's leaving. Yes. Um, yes. And apparently the way he's leaving in the show was spoiled. I don't know if it was spoiled to him or it was told to him beforehand. Oh, yeah. I remember reading something about it. Yeah. So he knows how... He's sort of leaving the show, so really? that could be interesting. So, do we think it's yeah. an alpha death? Do we know what, what? What's the hint? I really don't know. I feel like everyone is assuming he's going to die, so they might do something different. But also, I don't see Rick like leaving the group for any reason. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know because in season eight, like 
I remember he was telling Maggie, like, before... It, it was, like, the very beginning of season eight. You probably don't remember. Um, I only remember this because I was, like, watching a recap of, like, the 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 trailer on YouTube. But um, he said to Maggie that when all this is over, I'm going to be following you. Yeah. So, and we we get very strong hints that there's going to be some sort of power struggle between them. Oh, absolutely. And we also get a strong hint that Daryl is not on board with any of it. And he even says, like, back then when it was a small group, everything was maybe not fine. He probably thinks it was fine. But he doesn't believe in, you know, trying to get all these group of people. He just thinks that a smaller group, easier to manage, if easier to move if need be. So... Yeah, that could be interesting. I think that's going to be an interesting shift. We already we've already seen um, Rick and Daryl skirmish. You know, they yeah we have, but I don't think the the show has like had the balls to like keep going with it. Yeah, they've sort of like teased it. It it felt like for a long time that it was like building up and up, and it never really went anywhere. Yeah, as is how most of the show operates. Um, <laughs> but I'm hoping this I'm hoping this season they really like have a falling out. I want to see that. Let's happen. go. Yeah, let's get there. And again, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to say goodbye to Rick. So how's that gonna go? Um, I know Norman is taking on the lead, so he's going to lead this show. And I got my wish. He now has to talk. Um, <laughs> he doesn't. Hopefully, they won't give him like one shitty monologue after the other, and then he's an ineffectual leader. Um, I'd like to see what Daryl's world looks like. I would rather live in a Daryl Dixon world than a Rick Grimes world any fucking day of the week. You know, yeah. it's like we're going to have satellites. Well, I'll check on on you, motherfuckers. But <laughs> it's me and these eight homies, and I'll see ya. I mean, like, I wouldn't try to like. Mm-hmm. What was the the kingdom? The kingdom just made my eye roll. You and your fucking they had glee the, club. They had the glee club, the I barbershop those bitches, quartet. Those bitches should have died first. Like, I hope they died <laughs> seriously. first. Fuck y'all and your cobbler and your oh my god, those fucking assholes. I, I preferred <laughs> terminus over these people. Uh, and, yeah. the, and the saviors were just annoying. It's like none of the groups I've been happy with. Maybe maybe Maggie's group, but I don't really have a sense of you know. Them, they the feel hilltop. Like the, the hilltop. They feel a little bit more realistic, but you know, then that guy. If this were really the apocalypse, and I rolled up to that house, I would just step between Daryl and Maggie and just garrot that guy in the throat. Yeah. I wouldn't put. Nobody's putting up with this guy wearing a suit in the apocalypse. That, and I got to tell you, Kirkman's stories are not super awesome. Like once you take them off the page, you have to transition them to screen. I'm sorry, Kirkman. I know you probably hate me or you don't care about me, but. He's not a strong uh, writer, and that character is – he doesn't last long on the comics. So to keep him around to stretch what should have been one guy in one season for half a season as an annoyance mm-hmm. who quickly gets dispatched because he gets straight up lynched in the yeah. comics. Well, doesn't Maggie, doesn't Maggie do it? Doesn't yeah. she hang him? She orders yeah. it. Yeah, so I'm just saying like, you know – they took this, they took it and they stretched it out and I'm willing to come back for season nine and see what you guys do, but, and maybe it'll be a breath of fresh air. And then we see the heapsters lady. She's now assimilated with the group. Yeah. And they, and they look like they're trying to get people from the sanctuary to join. Yes. Um, but there's, there's a really like quick cut to, um, to a wall like in the sanctuary that says we are still Negan. Yes. Which I think is interesting. Yes. That there's a lot of resistance. Like it was kind of weird because at the beginning they were like bless you Rick Grimes like thank you for taking us in. I feel like maybe uh, the other half of the sanctuary is like not okay with it. Yeah. And they still like believe in Negan. Well Um, I know that uh, it's Carol who says you know these people are just not going to forgive each other. Like shit went down. Yeah. Words were said. People were uh, mutilated and 
raped and ironed, you know? Yeah. Yep. Once you get ironed, I don't know if you can forgive anybody, you know? <laughs> Put on that extra starch setting and <laughs> just iron somebody, you know, you're probably going to have yeah. some hurt feelings, so... I'm, I'm also excited. wondering. Yeah. I'm also wondering how much Jeffrey Dean Morgan is going to be yeah. in this season because we the only part we see of him in the trailer is when he's in that jail talking to Rick, and he says that really awesome line of "When all of this goes to shit, you let me know." Yeah, I. I mean, I'm going to make a prediction. Uh, hopefully, this is the way they'll go. That Negan will end up doing something surprising, like trying to save Rick from Alpha. Um, I think he's going to come out of there and I don't think anybody's going to, hopefully Angela Kang will not, you know, subject us to any more of Jeffrey Dean rocking back on his heels and going, Rick, what's (laughs) going on? I don't think we can take any more of it, dude. I think he's just gonna, you know, drop the jacket, come out in like a fucking Led Zeppelin t-shirt and just be a dude (laughs) who's got some skills and maybe he can help out. Um, yeah. or, you know, he's trying to help and then he just gets killed in his sleep because, you know, again, he took a bunch of wives and ironed a bunch of people, you know, I don't know. I think Negan's safer inside Rick's uh, cell than he is out. So yeah. We'll it'll see. It'll be interesting to see what they do with him. So that's it for Walking Dead. I mean, I think good for y'all. I'm going to watch it. Maybe when, not when appointment it? watch it. I think I'm going to watch the, the premiere like that night and then let them pi- pile up. I'm yeah. going to take your suggestion. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Do we need to... Unless the premiere like really the, grips me. Do we need to do the rest of the, the season eight? Because I, I didn't finish season eight. Yeah, we need to sit down and like with some wild turkey and yeah. watch that shit. Get mad all over Yeah, again. Yeah, unless the premiere really makes me want to watch week by week, um, then yeah, I'm probably just going to let it pile up. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And I think we were, we were talking about we'll do like the premiere of nine on, as a pod and then we'll do the mid-season and then we'll do the finale. Cause unless it's like really good and then we have to do week by week. I don't know. Honestly, with I'm podcasts, not expecting that. Unless the podcast is – this is what I've learned from looking at our numbers. Like even with uh, Game of Thrones and with Mr. Robot, uh, shows that we, we're passionate about, people tend to like just want to like check in for the tent pole or for the entire season. I don't mm-hmm. know that even those shows that are way better than Walking Dead, it, those numbers just show me that people are like, yeah, I watch, I watch Game of Thrones, but I don't really want to talk in, in detail about, you know. Episode by episode, yeah. About, you know, yeah. that one particular episode. So if we do three, you know, that'll be saying something about Walking Dead. Because even with Robot coming up, um, season four, we're just going to do one podcast at no. the end of it. Maybe the premiere, maybe the end, Okay. You're looking at me like, no, you won't be able to stick to that. (laughs) Probably not. I love that show much, so much. Uh, Let's talk about, uh, can we talk about Fantastic Beasts for a second? There was the good and the bad and the ugly. Let's get the best (laughs) thing out of the way. What was the best thing about Fantastic Beasts, Andre? Well, I think the trailer was, and like Ezra Miller showing up as Toadette, I think that was the best. Oh, Ezra, (laughs) I love him so much. He showed up as Toadette. He dressed up as, he always dresses up. When he goes to Comic-Con and he plays this character. Um, I think you watch Fantastic Beasts with me, but you didn't really fully focus on yeah, it. Yeah. He was I, the kid with the bangs. He was the troubled child with the bangs. Okay. He's got some issues. It's just so funny because everyone else is like these really nice dark clothes. Like, and then you see Ezra Miller sitting there in like the huge like mushroom cap, like pink, everything. Yes. It's so funny. Just look up it's Ezra so Miller uh, Toadette real quick while we're talking and you'll see what we're talking about. 
So like, he's just so precious and we love him and we're on a high from this and we see this amazing trailer, which is, I looks even better than uh, the first one. Yeah. And I'm so excited for it. And then it all gets ruined by the presence of real life Voldemort, Johnny fucking <laughs> Depp. <laughs> yeah. So he, so he made a, a surprise appearance. He wasn't even on the panel. Right. Uh, he just made a surprise appearance in costume as Grindelwald to, you know, sort of address the audience and hype them up a bit. Um, but then it had turned out that they put the Fantastic Beast panel in the same hall as a show. I don't know if it's a show or movie that it's Amber Aquaman. Heard is working on. It's Aquaman. Aquaman, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, because they're both, you know, Warner Brothers movies. Um, yeah, and Aquaman came right, right after that. So, uh, Amber Heard, Johnny Depp in the same room. Come on now. Yeah. Come on. This is like I don't really even know if we if we really needed Johnny Depp to be there. I mean, like he wasn't even on the panel. We didn't. So I'm just like you. I mean, like I can't imagine how much money you had to pay him to show up for like five minutes at Comic Con. He needs money. (laughs) I mean, I guess he's in trouble. Yeah, that's only I mean, but this shows you just how how insensitive and tone deaf this motherfucker has become. It's like, dude, how much were they paying you? Was it a million, two million, five million? I mean, you know, and this is on the heels of him. Uh, you know, the the lawsuits come out from a few was it a few years ago. He struck a locations manager on the set of something he was doing. And and all, and, it, and all of a sudden it was like, like he hit a guy. Let's be a mad. Let's be mad. Well, he hit Amber before he hit her. I hit yeah. this dude. So he's just he's just just tone deaf, um, and it tells me that he needs cash so badly that he would just walk into that situation and not be like, you know what, I should let her be in her thing. And and if if you're going to do an appearance, you could do him f- remotely. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like a to, video or yes, something. Something. Did you have to? Now, I didn't see the reaction. Did you see what people's reaction was to that appearance? Well, the the audience were like so excited. Yeah, they loved him. I don't I don't think there was a there was a negative reaction. It and I only saw like a 20 second clip of when he came on. Yeah. But um there wasn't I don't think there was a very, you know, negative reaction. I don't know. It's it's and to think we're going to have to put up with this for like another 3 films yeah. after this one. Yeah. I just don't... I don't get it. You fire fucking James Gunn for tweeting... Yeah. I mean, no, James Gunn, he fucked up. He he said some awful, shitty, horrible fucking things. He said, he tweeted, and yes, okay, he got fired. He fucked up. Disney's like, fuck you, man. And now, I don't know why Disney didn't find it before this, why James didn't erase them a long time ago. Um, but you... Okay, so that that's a shitty thing, and he gets fired. And then Johnny hits Amber, not once, but several times. And then he's associated with J.K. Rowling's world. I can somebody please tell me what the fuck is going on, okay? Because there's so many problematic things that are going on. And you you let Johnny stay and you, James Gunn just... I tell you, I swear to God, if I lost work because of shit that I said on Twitter, I'd never work again. Like, we all drink text, and I mean, I don't say pedophilia bullshit like that, you know, 
But I have said my own share of inappropriate things, done inappropriate things. Trust. I'm a fully mm-hmm. formed human being who's fucked up in the world, but I'm not a rapist, a murderer, an assaulter. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what standard by which are we judging these things at this point? You know? Yeah. I think it was a, a unique circumstance because I'm like completely convinced that Disney knew that these tweets were out there and they were convinced it wouldn't be a problem. Right. You know? And then now that it's been brought into the limelight by this guy who thinks that rape is justifiable yes. and should be encouraged because he thinks women should be submissive to men, just completely gross things that he said. And Disney is like a, a lot of their audience are children, so they really can't like they had to justify. Do they, had to, they had to respond. They had to do something. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know what? I, 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 I think that John. I think Gunn will recover from this. I think I think James Gunn will recover from this. I think he's he's apologized for this many many times, um, yeah. and I think he'll continue to do so. And I and I think he will bounce back at some point. I mean, sure. But Johnny Depp, just just no roadblocks, not even a speeding ticket, just hitting, battering somebody on a set in front of a crew. And then the production acted shittily. Yeah. Because they said, sign this paper saying you won't sue. And and the the guy, rightly so, proud of my, I used to do that job, proudly said, no, fuck you. And now he's going to own one of Johnny's houses. He'll just, he'll take that villa off of his hands in France. You don't have to pay the taxes on it anymore, bitch, because... You don't own it. You don't own it. And yeah, I got your money I'm, to pay the taxes. So. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more or less like disappointed in how the production on this film sort of has reacted to yes. the controversy behind Duff. Because, I mean, David Yates, the director, said that, you know, we've heard this time and time again, the person that the media is portraying doesn't add up to the person that I work with. And, you know, J.K. Rowling said that she's happy to have Depp on the project. And I'm like, did someone force you, like, honest to God, gun to head, force you to write this? Because now I'm the one saying this J.K. Rowling that I know does not add up to the J.K. Rowling I see today. Exactly. I feel like there has to be something else going on. And I know it can get really complicated with like contracts and maybe Warner Brothers doesn't want to recast. And they have so much faith in like the Harry Potter Wizarding World brand that people are just not going to care and go see the movie anyway. And then there are people just, there are longtime fans of Depp who, and look, I was too. You know, I loved Charlie Rose. You know, I loved the shit out of that old man and Garrison Keillor for years. Love that motherfucker. You know, but when you when you get to a place where you can't deny it, come on now. Was the numbers on the first uh, the first film? Was it Fantastic Beasts? Yeah, was it good? It did well. It was fine, but here's the thing: no one no one knew he was going to be in that film. That's right. Like it was very hush hush. He was in it for like five seconds. He was at the very end. I'm the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, oh, the so big plot twist. And in the second one, he's all over it. Oh. Yeah. He's he's Ray Fiennes. He's up all in it. He's the, he's the villain of this world. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to go back to talking about the trailer because I'm just going to get more angry if I keep talking about yes, this. Yes, yes. Let's talk about the more <laughs> positive thing about how awesome it looks. Despite. If if we can somehow divorce all of the shit that's going on with Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah. 
just what we see of him alone in the trailer is honestly, I feel bad for saying this, but it, I, it honestly looks cool. Yeah. I think it's, I think Grindelwald to me has like always been a really interesting character because he's so mentioned, he's like mentioned pretty scarcely throughout the, the, the movies, but he was like this ages Voldemort. So it, I'm, you know, I'm going to wait to, to see what, you know, Dup does with it, but I'm just still like in the back of my head, I'm like, I, I really don't want to pay money to see this. Yes. But and in my, I'm sort of rationalizing it in a way that I want to go because I want to support, you know, Eddie Redmayne and Dan Fogler, everyone, literally everyone else, just not, just not Johnny Depp, you know. Which, which leads into exactly squarely how I feel about Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Do you want to keep talking about, though, uh, Fantastic Beaks before we, we slide into that? Uh, well, the the only other thing I wanted to talk about was the um, apart from the depth controversy, we have the whole uh, Dumbledore sexuality controversy as uh, controversy yeah. as well, um, which is 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 become now it's becoming more and more interesting because David Yates has said at least in this film it's not going to be like explicitly stated, you know, whatever. But then we see the trailer. And we get a shot of Dumbledore looking into the mirror of Erised, which for people who have not brushed up on the Harry Potter lore, the mirror shows you basically your deepest, darkest desire. And it's Grindelwald. Yep. And I'm like, I don't know. That's pretty gay. Those girls dated. (laughs) And there's (laughs) like a lot of stuff in the trailer. There's a lot of stuff in the trailer that like juxtaposes their images together. And I'm just like, okay. So what what really is going on? And you know, yeah. when I talk about we haven't really talked about queer representation on this podcast so much, but like I feel like the word explicitly stated is like it has a very bad connotation because people think when we say we want like explicit representation, people think we, well, I don't want to see two guys have sex on a screen. That's not what we're saying. No. That it's it's that's literally this porn, simple. Y'all. It's, Just go to YouTube. You can, <laughs> if that's what you want to see. It's it's this simple. You know, yeah. you have a, you can have a scene with like Dumbledore and um, Newt, and Dumbledore even says in the trailer, "I can't make a move on Grindelwald. It has to be you." Newt says, "Why?" And then he says, "Because I loved him." And then that would be it. Sure, that's literally all we would sure. need. They don't have to and kiss. The, you know, if that's going to freak you yeah. out, if that's going to you know. But like the way do we show, how do we show cis hetero love? You know, he buys her a puppy, you know, he, you know, he he doesn't cheat on her. He um, makes her dinner. You know, you don't have to, people don't have to be like connect at the genitalia to go, oh, they're a couple or there's something between them. I feel like though, and you're, you're more of a Potterhead than I, I don't know what the Potterheads are called. What do you, what do you, what do they call Potterhead. Sure. That's fine. (laughs) Potterheads. Uh, Potterists. Hasn't this franchise always danced around this though? JK's on Twitter and in public going, yeah, he's totally gay. And then on the shows or on the movies, I feel like they're like, "Eh," you know, isn't this kind of their MO already? It, it, it is a bit, and to be quite honest, I haven't had a problem with the way, you know, Dumbledore's sexuality has been, like, played in the books, only because we don't really get into, like, the sexual history of any other teacher. We don't, yeah. You know, so, I mean, it really didn't bother me. I just want to know, now what, you have, I want to know Luna Lovejoy's kink, though. I really, that's that thing right <laughs> now. I want to know what that girl's into. I never, I, if I was going to date somebody, I'd be dating Luna. I never yeah. got yeah. the impression of that seeing the movies, but I guess. That Dumbledore is gay? Yeah. Mm. 
She's, I you said you you didn't oh. get the impression yeah. or you did? I didn't. Oh, I, I didn't I either. I just wasn't watching it carefully enough. No, that's more like a casting thing. Like Michael Gambon is not like you know he, he's a whole other different Dumbledore, which people have so many issues with. I don't. I, I'm fine with it. You're fine. But but yeah. But then you now you have like Jake and Rowling doing these five movies. And I mean, like, yeah, we have three other movies to explore this. But then both of them have said that they're not going to, it's not going to be like explicitly explored in this phone. I'm just like, but you've talked about it so much. Right. You said, you know, after the fact, after you've written all the books that you've always seen Dumbledore is gay. She tells this story of, you know, her and Steve Clovis writing the script for the sixth film. And there's a line that Dumbledore says that, you know, something to the effect of, I once knew this raven-haired girl and blah, 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 blah. And J.K. Rowling had to write on the script, Steve, Dumbledore's, Dumbledore's gay. And they had to take it out. Um, so, again, we have three other movies. I'm I'm trying to withhold my judgment until at least this movie comes out because I really don't want to jump the, jump to conclusions as a lot of people you know like to do when it comes to stuff like this but we're just gonna have to see how it goes yeah and even jude law who is playing dumbledore says that we don't really get into it into this film but you know there's other films that you know we'll have to wait and see i'm like yeah, okay I, just, I guess i'll take that it just i don't know and again it's there's so much riding on the line it's a huge franchise you know and again we can talk all we could do on five podcasts on like we don't want to expose the children what you know we don't want to <laughs> it's like seriously what do you mm, Okay, um, yeah. but uh, I I feel like my problem squarely always lands with Rowling herself, who mm-hmm. who's just her revisionist history of the Potter franchise in general exasperates me. Oh, that you know this was I was going to do this and I was going to do this and this is what's happening and people are like just stop, J.K. Stop, dude, yeah. stop talking about it because you didn't do that on the page and also. We all record scratched. We're like, why does Hermione end up with, with Ron? Okay, like we were already going, what? What? <laughs> okay. I mean, I would rather them not ended up with each other at all and just maybe nobody. I don't know. I just thought that was a strange pairing. But whatever. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to – my head didn't explode over it. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, like, I think that's interesting. You're talking about, like, all the stuff that she's coming with, like, the Pottermore website. She's yeah. adding supplemental material to the world. Constantly. To me, to me, at this point, like, I'm all for, like, hearing things that didn't make it into, into the final cut of something. But it doesn't feel like J.K. Rowling had all of this stuff in, like, she notebooks didn't. that she's, like, digging out of her attic and, like, putting it online. That's what It I'm feels saying. like she's just adding to it. That's it. That's yeah. <laughs> that right there. That right there. That's my jam. So, okay. Okay. Thank you. Now I can get into what I get passionate about with this. Okay? <laughs> Word. So, like with George R. R. Martin, he lives... He's so cute. He's in his little crazy house in, like, New Mexico. And he'll go over to, like you know, his, his hoarder writing lair and pull out a sheath of papers about cold hands or Brianna Tarth and show you from 1994, what he was thinking about that character and how they changed. And, and, and he shares a lot of stuff on, I think he's still on that old ass website. Um, I forget where he writes, but he blogs on some site that's ancient and I love it because it just smells like DOS. Anyway, so <laughs> He'll pull this stuff out and go, this is what I was thinking that day when I wrote that thing or share a little bit. And you're like, ooh, cool. J.K. is not doing that. Yeah. J.K. is sitting there on Tuesday morning on July 23rd, 2018 and going, you know what I was also going to do? Bitch. 
Mm-hmm. No one is believing this story. Ron and Hermione probably had marital problems. Girl, you need to show me the no, yellowed really? paper. <laughs> you should show me the yellowed piece of paper where you wrote that down with the coffee shop stains on it. Because I don't buy that. And she's yeah. just trying to revision. I don't know. It's like this obsession. She can't move on from her own material. And she won't let go. And she bums me out. Mm-hmm. And now she's big and bad about, yeah, he's gay, and this guy's Jewish, and this guy's blah, blah, blah. I'm like, girl. And then you won't sit there and stand up to Warner Brothers and go, these motherfuckers are going to kiss. They're going to yeah. pull out their wands. They're going to cross wands. <laughs> and they're going to lean into it, and they're going to go for it. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, get like- it. I mean, look, I'm always going to be thankful to J.K. Rowling for for this world because it's had such an impact on not only my life, but like millions of people's lives. Um, But I can do that, but at the same time, be critical of the stuff she's doing now. Yeah, we 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 bitch because we care. I think that's exactly, you know. I don't, I'm not a person who loves to hate this kind of thing. I really mm-hmm. am grateful because this world just, for her bringing it, for her bringing this world just out into the open and, and just having it exist is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. So, no opinion over there. I, uh, you know, I'm just trying to think. It's like, so, because I'm going to go back to this. Is like, so do I really like, I really care about The Walking Dead because I feel like all these things about it. Yeah. So maybe I do care, like the, what you're talking about with the with the Harry Potter world. You want to work it out with The Walking Dead. I'm work. I'm trying to, you know, give it a second chance. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I never was into the <laughs> into. I mean, I saw all the Harry Potter movies, but I, I didn't read the books, and I wasn't, you know, like it wasn't a a thing with me. Mm-hmm. When they first came out, like back in the day, I, they just sort of took over the universe and everybody was just couldn't have a conversation. I was at Cartoon Network at the time and you couldn't get through the day without somebody going, oh, and the, la, 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 and the stone and the da and the dare. And I'm like, what language are you guys speaking? Like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> and I just I I remember, went and got the I first one. I was like, this is really good. This is, oh, I get it. This is a children's book, but we're we're all like having such a good time with it, you know? Mm-hmm. But what was your, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was only going to say, because I was like living in the middle of it, because I remember, I remember going to see each movie in the theaters for the first time. I could like tell you, they all have their own separate stories that we don't have time to talk about on here. Yeah. But <laughs> we'll do a podcast. We will do a podcast. I swear to you, we'll do it. We will. Sure. Yeah. 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 I don't um, think I saw any of the movies in the theater. No? No. I watched them on, on the iTunes. I mean, I didn't, until you bought some of them, I hadn't even seen them. Yeah, because I covered them for uh, Ranker. I was doing Potter stuff, and I sat down and had to watch all of them. And no. you were like walking to the room and go, "Oh, that's okay." What's so, this? but let's go back to like, so you and how did did you read the books first? Well, no, because I, it was the movies were coming out, and I was pretty young already. Yeah. I remember like going it was like a week before the fifth movie came out and i asked my mom to ask her friend to borrow the fifth book and then i got it i'm like oh i'm not gonna be able to read because it's literally like this thick it is huge man (laughs) so i read the first chapter so i knew that was happening but (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but then I did go back, like, when I was finally, I think it was around, like, the last two movies that were coming out, did I finally go back and, you know, read it, read all the books. And it's a really interesting way to, you know, read something like that, because now you have all these, like, preconceived images That's true. of what you see in the movie, and you're superimposing them onto what you read in the books, and it always does, it doesn't really always add up, you know, but... You know, my experience was different. I read the I read the first two books, maybe three books and then just lagged. And then the first one came out and I was like, oh, wow, I was almost this is going to be strange. I remember seeing the first one in the theater and kind of being bored because it just did exactly what the book was. It was like, oh, this is exactly like the book. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, also, it was, it was a Chris Columbus film, and he's not the most exciting director. Yeah, I felt like he was, uh, it's just the pace of it was a little plodding. Yeah. I'm like, this this is beautiful and rich, and I loved the cast. I'm like, they nailed this shit. They did. But I just kind of found myself, I think I actually dozed off in the theater the first time I saw it. I was like, this is beautiful. <laughs> Because I think it was it was definitely Chris Columbus. I was just like, okay. But then, well, like, then they they're, they're not. More, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, th- then they got more exciting, and then by the time we got there to the end, I was like, oh shit, this is okay. This got dark because I didn't read yeah. the last uh, book or so. So this got totally dark. It got really dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just like yeah. This was insane. Yeah. It's interesting because it's a lot of people really don't like the movies at all. Oh, they do. And and I'm like, you know, that's a perfectly valid opinion, but just know that this is like probably like the best case scenario. Um, and you know, they'll probably get remade in 30, 40 years. You know how Hollywood Hollywood is, but it's it's the less. fact five, that five these, years, give it five. five <laughs> well, it, and it's also a lot the fact that it, they weren't made in Hollywood. It was the British film industry, and they have a very different way of doing things. They do, and the movies aren't very action heavy. You know, a lot of the action that happens is like five minute or not even five, like three minute increments here and there. Um, they're a lot more focused on everything else except for action. So that's very I don't know. true. It's interesting. The British way of making films is like you know, they get Maggie Smith. Do I have to run? This scene says I run. <laughs> I will ban. It's in my contract that I will not even trot. You know, like, see, and then even with the younger actors, they're like, I'm racing across the field. What do you mean? I'm kicking up my heels and racing. What the fuck is happening? You know, it's like, yeah, they don't, they don't really. So when the heck that came out with Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, when you had those guys coming out, like, it just took the world by storm because they're like, oh my God, we're, we're shooting people with sawed off shotguns in the streets of London. People are like, what? You know, what's happening? This that was a magic. great, yeah. that was a great Maggie Smith impression, by the way. <laughs> Thank I really you very appreciate much. that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do? Fuck that. Not doing that. Um, oh, God. No, but like, yeah, it's absolutely the truth. It's like, yeah. And then I wonder when the Americans start making Harry Potter. You know, you think they're really going to remake those? Sure, they will. At sure the they very will. least, they'll they'll readapt them into like a TV series the they'll way do they're something. doing with Lord yeah. of the Rings. Fuck yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. Yeah, money, money, money. You know, J.K. wants to uh, live on Mars or some shit. I don't know. You know, <laughs> no, she doesn't. I love her. I really, I don't, I don't want anybody to feel like I have problems with J.K. I love her so much. I mean, I say that out of fear. The woman has a lot of money. And she could have me killed. Uh, so I don't openly like really shit on the, uh, that, that horrible BDSM, not BDSM because it's an insult to the community. What are that chain of books? Oh, uh, 50 uh, shades of gray. gray, I don't want to shit on that bitch either. She got a lot of money. She can disappear a bitch. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But she sucks. Um, let's continue on before I (laughs) am murdered as I sit here. 
Uh, so going to the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer, I know it didn't uh, premiere at San Diego Comic Con, and I'm not. I could talk an entire podcast about this, but the way you're feeling and the way we're both feeling about like Depp's involvement in Fantastic Beasts has been just a problematic uh, Bohemian Rhapsody from the very beginning. They tried to get this film made for 12 years. They end up going with Brian Singer after talking to 22 uh, other directors, and I was like, oh God, we already had Sasha Baron Cohen's exit from the film he said they were going to have freddie die you know uh midway through the picture and it was going to carry on this turns out not to be true at all uh because the screenwriter left with him and the new guy was like this is bullshit a lot of things that were said and put out there just simply ended up not being true um Mm -hmm. because i've tracked this this production i mean i stalked it and um i ended up having a, a distant friend actually work on this film she provided uh, some of the original schematics for Live Aid. And, um, and, and, and what it came down to, they end up with Singer, who has never been formally charged uh, with in a, any of the claims that have been put out against him. Uh, I'm not going to say any of this thing in defense of Singer. I have very specific opinions um, about this, but I don't want to libel the podcaster myself. So I will say that he was never formally charged with anything. He did have an 18-year-old lover come out and say some pretty egregious things about the way he was treated, mm-hmm. uh, about how the 18-year-old lover was treated. And, um, and here you are. You're Rami Malek. You have this opportunity to play this icon. You have the blessing of the surviving band members. A lot of work and effort has been put into it. And I am sure that Rami is aware of who Brian Singer is and the issues around him. And so... There's been wanting to roast him over the fire just before we even get to the trailer about why did you sign on this? And specifically going after Malik. You're not going after Joe Mazzallo, Gwilym Lee, Ben Hardy, Alan Leach, uh, Aaron McCusker, um, uh, Mike Myers. You're not going after Jane Sewell who did, you know, the makeup on this. You're not going after all these people. You're just going to sort out this one actor mm-hmm. and accuse him of being the wrong ethnicity and signing on to this film because of Brian Singer. I don't know how you guys know if, how this works, but that's not how this works. You don't turn this role down. Now, if the man had been accused of, of I mean, like, actually nailed, I don't think they would have gone forward with this director. And again, Brian May and those guys, they were very unaware. They weren't aware of Singer. But wouldn't they have just have to ask around? No, Brian is not a producer. I don't think he was aware, or I don't know how it was told to him. But these guys are not movie producers. And yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen even said that because these guys don't know what they're doing. And they turn this over to Graham King and other people to do. Okay? So we get past. So then we're on set. And Hoobastank is showing up late. Or not showing up at all. The DP is now directing. Rami's directing himself. And Rami is very much a... Um, he's, he's very much into what he, whatever he's doing. He's a very intense right. person. Good guy. Lovely guy. Yeah. Lo- really a fucking wonderful guy, but he's a professional. So he's not taking kindly to this half-ass approach, especially when his entire goddamn career is online, on the line. You go in there and you fret up, if you fuck up Freddie Mercury, and you're not a guy who's ever led a, a film, you fucked up your career. You know, this can sink you. And Rami said this so much as when they did the, uh, when they were, when they were talking about this in Vegas, when they were releasing the film out there to all the, the movie houses, he said, you know, I, 
I almost I freaked out. Why did I say yes to this? You know, because if I get this wrong, you know, I could be done. And, mm. you know, here he is doing this, right? So then the trailer comes. Okay, so then Singer gets fired because he throws something at Rami, and he's late, and he gets into, like, arguments. Not only, and Alan Leitz watched off set, and other actors walked off sets. That didn't make the headlines, but Alan Leach and those guys were like, fuck this motherfucker. And Rami was like, finally complained to the studios and said, guys, I can't direct myself. I can't. We need a director to be here. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what he said, but I know that at the end of this, he throw, Singer throws something at Rami. That's the rumor by the crew and others. And Fox said, fuck you. And he, he also decided not to come back from Thanksgiving. They fired him. They kicked, oh, I remember. Yeah, I yeah, remember seeing that. Yeah, they kicked his production company off the lot. Uh, this is all in papers. This is Hollywood Reporter, Variety, everyone. And then he was, set, he was, Singer said on camera to TMZ, he was cool with Rami and they were fine. And he really wanted to finish the project and he wasn't allowed to, that he was staying back over the holiday to take care of, uh, no, I'm going through this whole thing. I didn't mean to do this whole thing. So blah, blah, blah. We get through all this. Rami and Dexter Fletcher, who comes on to produce this, um, they both work really hard on making this happen. Not only did they finish the picture out, they had two and a half weeks. Rami and Graham King, at Rami's behest, said, I want to come back and do reshoots. They did significant reshoots. They just now, by the way, wrapped up maybe about a month ago from doing reshoots. Because uh, Mazzello and Gwillem and Hardy are back there. They did ban reshoots specifically because it wasn't given weight and justice in original production. That's mm-hmm. the rumor on the street. Fairly substantiated. But that's the rumor. We'll call it a rumor. So then the trailer comes out. And even though nobody went, bothered to go to IMDb and look up that Aaron McCuster is going to play Jim Hutton and that um, I forget who Alan's playing, but all of the, the, at least two of the significant lovers are cast. And Mary Austin, who was also, you know, the love of Freddie's life, but she was the one who said, no, I think you're definitely not straight. And I think you might definitely be more into men than you are into women. And she's played by Lucy Boynton. So the, the trailer comes out and it just gets, it gets just raked over the coals because it's like, you're head washing Freddie Mercury. He was bisexual. And because I knew so much about the trailer, it really pissed me off because I knew what all had gone transpired just to get this thing fucking out there. And there's yeah. no fucking way that Rami Malik or Brian May or Roger Taylor were ever not going to talk about Freddie's sexuality. Brian has said in interviews, I, was, I roomed with Freddie. And I saw, he said this publicly recently that I saw all the hot girls coming through in the beginning. And then I saw all the hot guys coming through. And none of us cared. You know, and his family knew he was bisexual. No one's trying to hide anything. Mm-hmm. And why would we keep that from the public? So what happened was, unfortunately, in the first trailer, there's just a blink of a scene of one of his first lovers, his first significant lover. He was a guy who repped other bands, just a guy who was out. And they got together. That's in there. I think they extended it, that scene a little bit longer in the second one. And then we hear uh, Freddie say, what if I don't have time? Meaning we're going to talk about his AIDS diagnosis. He kept that under wraps. I mean, he announced he had AIDS the day before he died. It wasn't a time that you could talk about this. Yeah. It was a different time. 
that when you announced it, Rock Hudson, they, they never said that Rock Hudson had AIDS. And this was just a very strange time. So Brian Fuller, who I love, Brian Fuller, not Brian Singer, Brian Fuller, American Gods, one of my favorite showrunners. I love this guy. He comes out and says, look, looks like they're headwashing this film. And that's all that's spun around. And so going back to like Fantastic Beasts and, and, and there's all of these problems attached to it. There's Johnny Depp. There's all of this shit that's potentially going to happen. I'm encouraging people to do what we just said we would do. Please watch the film before you get fucking worked up about how the film's going to do this because for the past year and a half I've been hearing they're not going to address AIDS they're not going to address Fetty's bisexuality when they clearly are going to do that very thing and unfortunately Brian Singer is attached to this film I'm sorry that he was ever attached to this film but I'm so glad that they survived this guy to do this Yeah, rant over I just wanted to get that out there. Is he going to get the credit for directing? Yes, because Dexter Fletcher is like, I'm not taking credit for this film. I came in as a favor to Graham King. He was attached before Singer was and wanted to take the picture in the same direction that Sasha Baron Cohen went, which is to show Freddie's crazy lifestyle of doing coke and throwing the wild parties. There's some of that in there as well. Okay? But he didn't want to... The, the band was very uncomfortable with just making it all about Freddie wild and out they wanted to talk about his experience within the band and the rest of them but they're focusing more on freddie that's my opinion you guys can disagree with me i will not get shirty and mean but that's my two cents no i i i mean i agree with all of it do you uh yeah i i know it's like we pretty much agree on everything, but we might we'll get into what we uh, yes. did disagree on later. <laughs> right. Uh, but I feel like what you said about you know withholding judgment on a film before you actually see the film yeah. is important. Um, this one thing we're going to talk about is probably the exception. Um, but I I completely agree, and and I will be the first to admit that I totally believed that they were going to head wash this film. Yeah, I totally believed it because I was honestly just used to it. Yeah, I was used to it. I was fully expecting this part of his life to because I mean you know the way it's been treated in the past with other films and you know, but again it's like a biopic. It's right. about his life. You can't right. leave something like that out. Exactly. So. And no. I don't think, again, knowing knowing just how Rami Malek approaches everything that he does, there's no way I think he would have signed on to the project if it had been. He's very he is very much aware of this kind of stuff, and so are these yeah. other people attached. And again, yeah. it's it's very much a British film. They don't have any problems making this kind of content. You know, they yeah. did uh, Cumberbatch did the the Turning story. You know, the imitation game or whatever, you know, or is that Redmayne? Anyway, they don't shy away from this. It's not something that they're like, the British are not squeamish about these kinds of things like we are. Well, and you know what? what's also a factor is, and a lot of people don't think about this, but the Hollywood like relies very heavily on how their films do overseas as well. Right. And a lot of countries, namely like China, are not going to screen a movie that has, you know, queer actors at the at the very center. Even when like Love Simon came out. Oh yeah. 
I don't think that got showed anywhere else outside of the... I could be wrong. But there were even some theaters were in our area that I was at college at the time that were not showing it at all. Wow. Yeah. Like we went we went to the theater we always go to and they and they weren't showing it at all. So we had to go to to another one that was showing it. Awesome. So so there is that there is that to consider. Sure. Um I do get in trouble with these blanket statements, it's, so Yeah. It's me. definitely definitely not an excuse, but no. it's a it's a factor to to consider. But I just think, you know, I, I think I'll I'll I've just turned off the taps. I don't want to hear anybody's opinions on Bohemian Rhapsody really until they see the film. And that's November second and you can see it in your theaters and then you can you can hate it all you want to. I'm I, and and I may be there with you going, Oh my god, I thought it was gonna be amazing. What I can tell you from what I can tell from the performances so far is that not just Rami, but Ben and Gwillem and uh, Joe Mazzallo are fucking amazing as this band. They just, they mm-hmm. feel like it. Again, you don't, we're not doing an impersonation. I think, I think Rami got into Freddie's skin. I think uh, Joe got into John Deacon's skin. You can certainly see what Gwillem's done with Brian May. And Ben Hardy seems to just fucking be crazy old fit throwing Roger. And I love the line about there's only room for one hysterical queen in this band. Again, <laughs> reference to the fact that he's bisexual. He's gay. Yeah. He's, guys, he said it out loud. Um, yeah. Cool. Let's move on to something that I did this week that was problematic um, because of something you just said. Exactly what you said. I just expect um, this kind of treatment. So mm-hmm. walk us through what happened with me and you talking about something. <laughs> this is sure. Ian hasn't so, even heard this. So um, Netflix released a trailer for a, oh, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's a film. I never know these days, but I think it's a film called Insatiable. And it's gotten a very negative backlash um, online over the fact that it is, pretty uh let's say blatant in the way it fat shames right um basically the gist of it is there's this character she's overweight she's played by a skinny actor and the whole trailer starts with people like calling her these terrible names and she's being miserable and like eating a lot and then she gets punched in the mouth so her jaw is like sewn shut or like locked shut for a summer and she comes back for the school year and she's skinny and now everyone's paying attention to her and seeing her and then she takes this sort of new advantage and uses it to get revenge on the people that made fun of her when she was fat and i could not believe what i was watching while i was while I was watching this trailer, mostly because it was Netflix, the people who greenlit Sensate and all of these other influential shows. And it's like, like very recently, Netflix is either like really on point with something or like green lights shit like this, basically. And glow. And, and glow. Here's <laughs> and some so black people that- we're not going to talk about. Here's some, here's an Asian that's in our cast. Yeah. And scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I won't do it again. Then, I won't do the rant again. Just go listen to the Glow podcast and hear me rant. Yeah. And so then I sent it to you and you didn't. <laughs> I didn't even notice it. You didn't notice it, which I thought it was interesting. I was like, this looks pretty cool, I guess. I don't know. And again, I wasn't drunk. I was completely sober. 
Um, I guess the only excuse I could come up with that I was distracted because I was compiling some, we had just, we had just decided you and I, that we were going to do the San Diego Comic-Con podcast and do Penny Mm -hmm. Dreadful next week. And I started like hunting around for stuff and I was like, Oh, here's some trailers and here's some stuff. And I was sending stuff back and forth to you. And I was like, well, this, the, 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 the words that they're using in the trailer were maybe the best words they're using. By the way, it's a series. There's 12 episodes. I just looked it up. So there's 12, oh, insatiable? 12 episodes of Great. Insatiable. Yay. <laughs> Fantastic. It'll get hated for a good 12 fucking weeks. So I was just like, oh, yeah, this is, is that Alyssa Milano? I'm, like, I'm just going, oh, look, chicken. Oh, look, the shiny house. And I wasn't looking at the glaring thing of, hey, we're going to do like 12 episodes of fat shaming on television. And then I was like, oh, what does that say about me? That's weird. Because I'm a fat person. Who lives in a town of people who just live with yoga mats under their arm and a kale <laughs> smoothie enema up their butt. So, and, and who is reminded constantly when I go into a store, we don't have normal people size clothes, bitch. Get up out of here. You know, it stops at six and six is considered a fatty McFatterton section. You know, so you d- just go into a store and just try to find a 14. Or a 16 or for the rest of, you know, my other friends who are like 22s or whatever. They're just they're like they'll just send you like REI and show you a sleeping bag. It's like, fuck you. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So I was sitting here like, why did I miss your righteous indignation? And you were like very subtle about it because we're just getting to know each other. And you were like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, hey, it's cool. And I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed that I because I accept that. We're just not going to tackle this, even though we have Diet Land on TV, which I think is way too heavy handed for its own good. I mean, I, I appreciate that it exists. I really appreciate that we're taking on the patriarchy and we're, we're going to say, fuck you. And we're, it's, it's embracing the, bos- the body positive movement. I, I totally get it. I just don't like the execution of the shows per se, which I'm surprised because it's Marty Knoxon. But what shocked me about this was I was like, not even remotely initially like what the fuck yeah that was crazy right you were probably going what's wrong with lisa <laughs> i well i just texted back well i was like well i mean like i feel i'm like not okay with like this and this and this and they were like oh you're and like i like i said like before we were when we were talking before the podcast i've had this happen to me where i've watched something and i'm talking about it with people and i'm like oh yeah i like this i, I you know i like this and this and this and they're like but did you find this a little problematic? Like, wasn't it? And I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe you're right. <laughs> like, maybe, yeah, I need to think about it that way. But like, and, the, and you know, that's that's totally fine, you know. But I think it's such, I cannot believe this is like even being on Netflix to begin with. Right. Because f- like, we have such a problem, not just in like on screen, not just like, you know, like in media or whatever, but just like in general day to day society, we have problems with people, you know, like body shaming, either other people or themselves, you know, body positivity is a great topic, but usually generally revolves around women and, you know, nothing wrong with that, but I think we should start, you know, bringing more people into that sort of conversation. But I just feel like at least the way it's being portrayed now and like, or not even now, like for all time in movies and in TV shows is that the fat character is the comedic relief right? or, you know, the, a comedic device or they're very like indignant about the, about the way 
you know, that they're fat and, you know, and it's never ever just like someone being there that's slightly overweight and they're just like there right and a character and like even and there's a lot of like exclusionary stuff happening as well because like i'm just like um finishing up sensate i'm like on the last like the the long the long movie and i love sensate i love the show and we'll talk about it on the podcast that we're going to do about it right but i mean eight people from around the world and they're all like really skinny and really fit I'm just like, uh, I think the only time that it like they let they allowed like normal shapes into the screen is with the black couple, you know, like his girlfriend mm -hmm. is like, well, compared to the other people, she's like on the thick side. And I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. there's meat on her bones. You know, she's juicy and cute and hot. And I was like, yay. Um, And again, like I, I think we were saying this before the podcast, we could learn so much from black women and their self-esteem like they just they own themselves they feel themselves they just they've been doing it i mean i've learned so much from i don't i don't i have long not picked up a beauty magazine i gave up that shit when i became a super feminist when i was like 17 but mm-hmm. when my my self-esteem hits rock bottom i do look at people out there in in that culture who were just like fuck all that shit i'm not I'm eating dinner and I'm going to put on this bikini and I'm going to feel yeah. fabulous and I'm going to get laid and I'm going to work and I'm going to be successful and you just need to like deal with me. Like Nicole Byer, I fucking love her. She's the host of Nailed It. She's just like, she just loves herself and she just puts herself out there. And there's so many I could go into, but yeah. And, and then I, I guess my thing with Dietland and I need to give it more of a chance. I kind of barely made it out of the pilot. I need to go and revisit it. There's there's some good stuff, I'm sure, in there. But it's it's just the way it gets handled. It's like it's got to be on the front lines. It's like yeah. for so long with, like, black people, it's like we got to do MLK or slavery, you know? And, and they've done some amazing films around that. But, like, can they get yeah. off the Middle Passage? Can we get to land? And then can we get past 1965? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then we're headed there. Now we're kind of, we're getting some... We, you know, we've got stories out there, but then there's a lot of, there's the gang banging and then there's the, you know, there's let me some wire, but everybody was slanging drugs. You know, it's like, can we just have people just existing, Yeah. you know, in the world? And I was going to, one of the, the guys that I look up to that I'm so glad he exists. Uh, it's Mel Rodriguez. And I saw him first on better call Saul. I think that's probably when I first saw him. Oh, you've got mail. Um, (laughs) Is uh, he's in uh, he was in the Last Man on Earth. The I loved that show, and it got shit canned. I don't know why, but like no one on either one of those shows. I think I don't know if Mel just walks in and people are like not going to treat him that way. But like, there's no like, oh, he's the fat guy in the apocalypse on Last Man yeah. on Earth. He's just he exists, and he's his his girlfriend, his hot wife is January Jones, and mm-hmm. they're just they're letting him just live his life. And I'm like, fuck, more of this, please, man. More because you and I talked about women get it bad, but but overweight dudes, it's like fuck off. Mm-hmm. You know? They're just yep. sh- they're shoved in the background, you know. Although I have totally. to say, Will Farrell has been a pioneer of that. He'll just he'll take his clothes off still. He'll be taking his clothes off for the rest of his life. 
And when his his big old blubbiness, he pulled off his shirt. I was like, oh my god, I love this man so much. Isn't John C. Riley like that? John too? C. Riley's the same way. There's a lot of just guys like, and I loved even Alex Baldwin, like um, Alec Baldwin, like later on in life, just being like. I'll just take my clothes off and be in the scene. And I mean, I know he's problematic, but I'm just saying he's a couple of brave things he's done. I'm like, you just let that happen. You well, know? it's also it's also important to like talk about like what kind of genres we're looking at too, because I mean, yeah. like Will Ferrell, you know, like you're talking about, like he's well, great comedy. with like his body image, but yeah. it's comedy, like. That's right. Like a good example is like Paul Blart Mall Cop. The whole reason the movie's funny is because he's this fat security guard doing things a normal yeah. action hero would do. Yeah, How about we're still an action movie? It, so, yeah. Yeah. How about an action movie where the, the lead guy is just a little bit, you know, a little chunky, but he still gets stuff done and it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, isn't, I, isn't uh, um, uh, Jack Black like that? But again, it's comedy. It's comedy, that's true. Yeah. yeah. It's comedy. I, I, it still really plays into the fact that he's, you know, a little chunky, a little overweight guy doing all these action hero type stuff. I don't know. Like, I, the only real good example I can I can really think of is, I don't know if you guys probably didn't see it, but um, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. Um, oh, you have seen it? Yes. Yeah. Peter Parker's be- uh, best friend, Ned. Yeah. Um, overweight guy. Never mentioned in the movie. Not important. Not played for comedic effect. He's just there. He's the best friend, and he gets his own stuff to do. I'm like, why can't we just have more of that? Yeah, it didn't exactly. really register to me as I was watching the movie. He was just there for me. But he's but he would fall into that comic relief though, because he was wasn't he? Yeah, but it, it yeah, but it didn't it didn't come at the expense of him like being overweight. Like all the comedic oh, right. stuff yeah. was his personality and the he's way a funny he said guy things. He was just like a, to be yeah, overweight. He was just a nerd. Yeah, the, the comedy yeah. wasn't yeah. his weight. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, and you know, also I'm heartened by Deadpool two trailer, where the the kid, the MacGuffin, the thing that Deadpool has to protect is the he's the heavy set Hispanic kid, you know, that he's got to go, he's got superpowers, and I guess there's this big you know this other guy who wants the kid, and Deadpool's got to protect him, and I'm like, there we go, that's awesome, mm-hmm. you know. Slowly but surely, but still, I feel like we can make leaps and brown, bla- le- leaps and browns, <laughs> <laughs> leaps and, and brows. And then, yes, exactly. And like uh, <laughs> you know, big, thick, bushy eyebrows on a brown person who happens to be not from here, um, <laughs> who's not the cab driver. Although Deadpool, I mean, like they gave us the brown cab driver, but he gets a lot of se- screen time at least. I don't know. Uh, yeah, and I think it's when all these creators become different people. When we change the guard, when the guard changes, will the guard change? Will it just be a swirl and it's just sort of changes by 20 and 30%? I don't know. Yeah. But going back to my problematic reaction to Insatiable, not even seeing that as a problem, not because I'm over here going, yeah, skinny people are better than fat people. I don't believe that at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just so used to accepting the fact that Oh, yeah. It isn't cool, is it? You know? What was yeah. the film where Gwyneth Paltrow... Hallow Shell. Oh, yeah. Shell right. or Hell. Again with Jack Black, Shallow right? Hell. Yeah, that's it. And they made it more about... Made it, she wore a fat suit. And he saw her as a skinny, beautiful woman. And he was chunky himself. I'm like, what's happening? What's going on with this movie? Yeah. What the fuck? But wasn't Shrek like that, too? Shrek was the same way. Yeah. Shrek, yeah. Well, do you guys do you guys know the show um, Mike and Molly? Yes. 
the whole show is based around the comedy of the, this couple that is overweight. A lot of the show is spent of them, you know, like exercising and like overcoming situations that, because they are overweight. Like it's just after a while, it just gets really old it's like, and dude, really, yeah. It, it perpetuates a lot of negative stuff. And like this trailer, especially to me, this is sort of the exception between judging uh, a show or I guess, yeah, a TV show or a Mm -hmm. film based on its trailer only because trailers like these have their own specific message, whether or not it racks up or it equals out to whatever the show is going to do. It's kind of like moot at this point because a lot more people are going to see the trailer than they're going to actually see the show. Right. Like that's just, that's just how it usually goes. And this trailer is really perpetuating the idea that in order to be respected and seen by society, you have to be a skinny, attractive person. And, and, and yeah, skinny white girl leading the show. Um, so here's what we'll, I will owe this show an apology. If in the season finale by then she has put all the weight back on and she's still cool. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Then yeah. we will, we will make sure that we make a note of that to come back on the podcast and go, we apologize to the producers of insatiable for somewhere around mid season. She starts packing the weight on, the actor actually puts on 50 pounds to play the character. And at the end of the thing, she's uh, or puts the fat suit back on and everybody's cool with her, you know, like uh, the Heathers yeah. end of Heathers. She, she walks off with Martha dump truck and goes, I'm sorry. I was a shitty friend. Let's go be homies again. Yeah. Bye bye. You know, let's, let's do that. So then I will owe um, everyone an apology. Uh, another thing that happened, we're about to close this out, but I want to get this one in. Uh, you were excited about Titans, right? Yeah, yeah, Titans. Titans looks really good. It looks pretty cool, I will say. Um, I'm I'm just really confused on, is this going to be, I know it's supposed to be like a standalone film, but is it supposed to be within like the DC universe, the same universe as like Justice League and Batman vs. Superman? Or are we creating yet another Batman universe? Because if we are, I just can't handle it. I feel There's already like that's too exactly many what they're there. doing. I feel like you're absolutely right. I feel like they, because they haven't gotten it right so far with a group, they're not getting Marvel money. They're not making Black Panther bank. I feel like they're trying to do something with this troubled franchise. And they're like, well, let's just do a do-over. You know well, what we'll it's do? Be- it's, they're troubled it's be- is because that they're trying to be like Marvel. They're not trying to do their own thing. Right. That's why Justice League was bad is because it was rushed. Yeah. It was trying to get like that sort of Avengers movie status, and it wasn't. And it was trying to copy off of its brother. They're, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I mean, it's high. It looks cool. I, w- I will say. Um, I don't. I don't think I watched like the um, like the Cartoon Network show. Um, but I, I, I really like the idea of like a, like a jaded Robin, you know, like in that scene where he's like, fuck Batman, yeah. you know, know. like Batman. that's, that was pretty We've cool. We've all wanted to say that Robin We've wanted <laughs> you to say that for a long fucking time. So I, for, I, if I, nothing else, I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm curious what, what this, this actor, uh, Bretton Thwaites is going to do with the character only because yeah. I don't, that wouldn't have been my first pick. He doesn't strike me as a sort of, I don't know. He just seems very, a, a generic generic pick for me but i don't know. know though but given that line there might be some swagger in robin That's true. i was would love to just see him just like you know how tonto turns on like the lone ranger i want to see this happen i want to like bitch carry your own yeah. rocks i want this fucking cape and these tights 
Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> I want to see it happen. I want to see Alfred like go zoo on Batman. I want to see. I want a Batman where he's like, fix your own dinner, bitch. Alfred will be kicking it. I'm going to Netflix and chill with my buddy Nigel <laughs> and my bat interior. It's going to be super gay stuff too. So don't come in here. <laughs> well, if you want that, if you want that, you should watch Gotham because there's plenty of. Is there? You know, I yeah, tried yeah. to watch Gotham. I have to. I'm Isn't just, that like on the CW or something? Yeah. No, it's on Fox. Oh, okay. Fox. I'll have yeah. to go over there. I just. Mm, yeah. Did you not like it? I tr- I watched the trailer and it was like, really? Oh no! <laughs> but I'll give it a shot. You, I mean, I'm, I have faith in you, Andre. I will go it's, back and give it a shot. Yeah, just know that it's a very it's a very big show, and meaning like there are like twenty four episode seasons. Ooh. Um. Yeah, it's pretty Ooh, rare that. these days to see those. Um. But I will say, like, it's – and I said this, I think, on the last podcast, too, that it's probably the best thing that DC has done in a huh. long time. It's it's a really – to me, at least, it's a really solid show. Awesome characters. You'll see a lot of, like, origin stories, not just for Bruce Wayne, but for pretty much everyone in the Batman canon. And they also do their own sort of interpretation. It's not a direct adaptation of the comics. They take a lot of like creative liberties that are actually really, really cool. Um, there's, uh, I don't know if, if you know Cameron Monaghan. Yes. He's sort of the show's Joker. Yes. Kind of. They can't say Joker because Warner Brothers is like, you can't say this because we have our own Joker over here. So they're like, whatever. We'll say anything but Joker. Um, and he also can't have green hair. That's another thing, too. Oh, that's funny. Oh, see, yeah, I love, that's... I, see, I love Cameron from Shameless. That's how I know him. And that's that's probably one of the reasons why I would return and watch Gotham. Gotham mm-hmm. is because of him. And I just love him so much. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but when you can't, he gets his uh, his episode in the, in the first season. Okay. Um, but he only he only shows up once. But there's there's a moment where he he starts out as in like an innocent young kid, right? And he sort of ends up being like the person behind the crime. And there's the way Cameron Monaghan sort of switches from that innocent kid to this kid that's going to be the Joker. I get chills every time I watch really? it. Mm. And I did not think that Cameron Monaghan would be able to pull off the, cause again, I only really know, know knew him from shameless. So I was thinking, uh, oh, Cameron Monaghan. I, I mean, I don't know. Let's give it a shot. But when, and there's actually a lot of Joker stuff in season three and season four. Okay, cool. Um, See, and it's really, go. you just reminded me he's on there. I'm, yeah, I'll go back for that. It's really mind blowing. I have to say, I it's just love really... him so much on Shameless. I love his character. I love him so much. He plays Ian, right? Is he Ian on yes. that show? Yep. And I love, um, I follow, um, his trans, uh, boyfriend, uh, Elliot, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. on Instagram, love the work that he's doing so that I love that show so much, by the way, shameless, we have to do a shameless podcast because it just, that show has just yeah. surprised the hell out of me. I watched the British version and then I watched this one and let me some Emmy Rossum and what she's done with the show yeah. and love, uh, Willem, uh, Bill, oh, Bill. In yeah. the cast. So I love we can we can cast. we can do it soon because the new season is coming out tomorrow. I know, I, I know exactly. I'm just so happy about. Yeah, I'm just excited for some shit, and I love Cameron. So you got me to go. I'll go back just for him. All right. Um, <laughs> one thing I get excited excited about several things, but the uh, the new Doctor is here. That's Jodie Whittaker. I don't know if you're a Doctor Who guy. Do you watch Doctor Who? Uh, not really. No. Okay. Well, kinda. I can kind of not blame people for what not watching Doctor Who. It, they revived it several years ago with uh, Christopher Eccleston. 
Is it Christopher Eccleston? Mm-hmm. And he was awesome. He was doctor number nine. And then the wonderful, our favorite doctor is David Tennant is doctor number 10. And then there's doctor number 11, Matt Smith. Matt Smith. And he was good, too. He was wonderful. And Capaldi, I loved him. Okay, initially. That's when I fell off. I fell off in the yeah, Capaldi it was hard. years. I mean, he was he was delightful. I love Peter Capaldi. Don't do not get me wrong. Do not come with your Peter Capaldi hate. <laughs> but it just there's something that we lost. Um, you had the moody, broody kind of social justice warrior in Eccleston. You had the light, but also dark. Um, Tenant, my absolute favorite, him with Billy Piper as his companion, untouchable. And then Matt Smith, he was just so delightful and cool and fun. And then and Amy Pond. And again, they did the darkness and the lightness. And then we got to Peter Capaldi. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? What the fuck has happened to Doctor Who? Just the stories. And it just got clunky. And it was just, I don't know. I liked him as the doctor. I didn't like the stories they gave that doctor. I think that was my biggest problem. And I loved Bill Potts. I loved that companion. So now we have Jody. Jody's a lady. And she's, you know, there's River Song. She's going to have a wife. So in your face, people who don't like that. <laughs> um, that's always fun just to watch those people like, nah. Um, I think she's going to be absolutely amazing. She's coming with her original northern accent. Tennant and her got on the phone when she first got the part, and Tennant was just squealing with her. So they're old friends, and he gave her some. And I think it's going to get light and fun again. So I cannot be That's more. Right. They were in bro- on uh, Broadchurch yes, together. Yes, they were. Yeah. They have been friends for homies forever. So he gave her some tips, and so maybe she's bringing some of that Tennant magic. But I can already feel the crackling in the air. I like her new companions. I don't have a whole lot to say about it except for that I'm just so excited, bloody excited, and can't wait for Christmas. For it to come out, they have a new showrunner too, right? Yeah. So it's not going to be the old bullshit that we've seen before, and maybe the crew won't be worked to death and want to die. Now, what is it, Moffat? Right? He stepped Moffitt away. Moffat and Davies, you know those yeah, guys. Away. You know, uh, Moffat better than Davies, right? Was Davies like the he was the evil one? And I get them confused. <laughs> uh, British white guys. I yeah, I have face blindness. I don't know. And the other thing I was interested in that came out was uh, this is a series based on a George Martin um, short book, novella, right, uh, called Night Flyers. Basically, they're calling it The Shining in Space. But I'm going to show up for it. Yeah, I'm going to show up for it to see what goes on. Something about that ship is not right. Yeah, that looked interesting. Yeah. And there was a, lot of, a couple of other things I saw out there, but. And then uh, Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul, for yeah. sure, is yeah. coming back. Can't and wait. And if you're into that, it's just like we're, going, we're starting to see characters from the Breaking Bad world. Lydia's coming in. We get to see um, – there's a lot of just little sprinklings in there. But when I saw Lydia, I'm like, Lydia! Woohoo! So it's, a, it's about to get real. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see – if not this season, next season, we would see Brian Cranston maybe return. Maybe a peak of a Jesse, you know, that's a de-age Aaron Paul a little bit. Because he was like a young scrub when he was doing the show. Yeah, he was hungry. He was hungry for that scrilla. <laughs> um. So yeah, I. Uh, yeah, and then there was like impulse. I didn't really. Eh. Yeah. In assassination nation. Yeah. Didn't care. Um, there's a there's apparently going to be a a TV series based on the Purge movies. Yeah, assassination nation. Oh, that is assassination. Yeah. Nation? yeah. We were like. Eh, eh. I'll watch it. I'll watch the. I'll watch the pilot. I, don't I probably know. will too. I don't know because it's it's interesting because the screenwriter is also the person who who wrote the films. 
Um, yeah. So it might be interesting to see how he adapts to that new medium. But he said that um, the show is going to try to find a balance between socioeconomic issues, the action of all the Purge movies, gender, and class. Okay. So... I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely tune into the pilot. What will probably get me to stay is if I just see a bunch of millennials and Generation Z like murdering boomers <laughs> every week. And some Gen Xers. We deserve it. You know, I just would like to see. Because you know that there's just a whole lot of that going on. Culture wars are happening. Just get it out of your system. Go watch Assassination Nation and watch a millennial just murder a boomer this week. I... <laughs> I'd probably want to see. I haven't. I've only seen the first Purge movie, and I didn't really like it. Yeah. But I feel like it might be more interesting to see like a group of people um, finding a way to try to get this whole Purge thing to stop to sure. like abolish it. Sure. Um, and they have like a deadline, and they have to do it before the next one starts. I feel like that might be more interesting. Oh, it sounds like the presidential elections in the midterms. <laughs> and exactly what this is probably a metaphor for the Trump regime. And how can we fucking stop it? 2018 midterms. God damn it. Stop 2020. If we can't stop them there, let's stop in 2020. It's probably exactly what's happening. And what a way to wrap, uh, wrap your kind of mind around it is to do something like that. Now, I'm going to show up for that. Or yeah. even if it's not that, it doesn't have to have a political undercurrent to it. If it just has, I mean, it's already political in in, in, in the movies themselves and what they are. Mm-hmm. So uh, I still always just giggle because I think about uh, Rick and Morty when they land on the Purge planet. So uh, <laughs> did you ever watch Rick and Morty? No. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, got, it's got problematic uh, creators and showrunners as well. So. I kind of go back and forth about that one. I love it. And then I'm like, oh, but this guy is such a, oh, fuck. They suck so much. (laughs) Oh, my God. So many problems with those dudes. But then I'm like, then I'm going to watch it. I don't know. Cool. So that's San Diego Comic-Con 2018. Um, There's lots of cool, fun stuff going on in the blazing heat of San Diego. (laughs) Go check that out online. You know, I'm not going to tell you everything that happened there. You should have either gone yourself or just go on YouTube for fuck's sake. (laughs) We are going to be back, and we're going to we're trying to clock down some episodes of Penny Dreadful, and there's mm-hmm. several other podcasts coming our way. I am definitely doing Floribama. Andre's going to set that one out and go. I'm going to watch. Just going to listen to this dumpster fire. It's going to be <laughs> so good. Just me monologuing about my youth. Um, so that's it. Uh, you guys have anything to announce? Anything to plug? Anything you're doing today? I'm getting an MRI. Oh, my, my first one. I got to get this finger is causing them to want to give me an MRI. And I, I am scared to death because I am claustrophobic. So <laughs> I'm hoping that they will knock me out. You know, just punch me in the face or give me a shot. But I mean, I don't think they're going to knock you out. No, I'm just going to have to sit in there and yeah, squirm. It's, it's not it's not like you're in a coffin. OK, because that <laughs> would so suck. Like I can't watch The Vanishing. I can't watch anything where people are buried alive. I'll lose my fucking mind. Like the Victorian. Oh, same. The Victorian age where like people would just like be in a deep state of whatever. I don't know if they were all eating like laudanum and lead-based stuff and they would just go into a coma for a few days and then come <laughs> to in the coffin. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, you were talking about Penny Dreadful, how much we just totally, totally loved it. So my three things are consumption, women can't vote, and being buried alive. Probably yeah. those are the reasons why I wouldn't want to live in that age. Just, and you can't hang out with your black friends. You have to pretend like they're your slave. True. So, and then yeah. you can't be gay unless you're a man who never dies and you just, you know, kill people. But I swear the fashion of that age is to die for. Can we go back to that? Yeah. Let's just talk about how just the long corsets coats. alone and long coats. Gorge. Oh, top hats. Gorge. 
yet, but you know, under that, it, you were covered with consumption uh, source. Yeah, and you can't vote. And yeah, can't vote. STDs will kill you. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> On that note, we're going to say goodbye, and you guys have a lovely week, and take care of yourselves. Peace. Peace. Peace.